The goal of marriage is never to be the same. The goal in marriage is one. Even with your differences, with your diversity, that you know how to celebrate being one and not the same. Welcome to the Fully Alive Man Podcast. This is a podcast to help men leverage community to win at life. Lee Rogers and I, Robbie Engel, are super excited about today's podcast because we have the wisdom from the woods himself, our friend, a mentor, a colleague, John Woodall. We cannot be more excited. Super, super excited to be with you guys as well. Thank you. Lee, how you feeling? Coming in off the weekend, got some Woodall in the room. We have Woodall out of the woods, and I am pumped about that. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So we will not have a Wisdom from the Woods segment at the end of this episode, because we get a lot of Wisdom from the Woods. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about women, which is exciting. Yeah, a podcast always, for men, and always. we're going to talk about what in the world, how do we thrive as husbands, how do we thrive in our relationships with women, what's that awareness, what are the tensions, what does it look like? It's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, probably lean a little more toward marriage than just women, but the relational concept with women. Okay, that's good too. Yeah. That sounds great. It's even better. Sounds like a great plan, Lee. So since we are going to be talking about marriage, husbands, wives, all of those things, let, let's start with a couple of questions. We're, we're going to be focusing on differences today. So Robbie, mm. how are you and Emily different? Emily and I are super different. We were actually talking about this. We did a family gathering this past weekend. So there's 14 adults, 11 kids, and we were talking about the couples. And Emily asked me, she said, do you know, do you have, are any of your friends married to somebody that's wired similarly to them? And we could not think of a single couple friend of ours that are wired the same way. There's all kinds of different assessments, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finder, um, the colors, Enneagrams, like how, what how are you guys like? wired different? Because on the outside, you guys seem very similar. Like wiring personality wise, I'm super driven, decisive, kind of more strategic, entrepreneurial. And she is so much more um pleasant, steady, enjoyable, <laughs> pleasant, <laughs> enjoyable uh, calming. She doesn't struggle with contentment. I struggle with contentment. She has a, a, a more peaceful um steady demeanor and I'm more uh, throttle up, throttle down, kind of inconsistent. So our wirings and personality are so complimentary. And we were with uh, my little brother and his girlfriend and we were talking about their differences and it's just complimentary in such a good way of mm. balancing each other to make each other better. And so for, to answer your question, Lee, uh, <laughs> Emily is uh, way more steady and healthy and objective in a calming, peaceful, kind of fruit of the spirity way. That's good. Uh, God bless that woman. And I am not. That's awesome. What, what about y'all? Yeah, Holland and I. She Holland is very much an introvert. She's not like the shy kind of introvert, but she's the doesn't want to walk into a crowd by herself kind of kind of introvert. Mm. And I am not that. I think if I see a crowd, I think, woo, a crowd. There's some people. Let's let let's get involved. Let's talk to. Let's find out something new about somebody we don't know. It's the opposite of the way she thinks. So we have a standing rule at a at a party, at a function, at a work function, whatever. 
I am not to leave her side awesome. for long periods of time. But I'm ADD, so mm. it inevitably happens. And we have that conversation on the way home. That's awesome. Love you, Holland. <laughs> what what about you and Debbie John? Well, we the first assessment that we took, we were married about ten years. We didn't even know about uh, differences. We knew that we were experiencing them, but we didn't have labels for them. But the very first assessment we took was an older one called DISC, and where it gave my wife the label of being very task oriented. And I'm very people-oriented, very mm-hmm. relational. Even in the first 10 years of our marriage, we were even kidding, saying, I think I'm the woman in this marriage. And uh, <laughs> we had to work through that. But, man, my wife is so goal-driven, task-oriented, get it done. And, you know, I'm concerned about their hearts and, hey, is everybody relating together? But uh, that was one of our first differences. And we'll talk about this a little bit as we get going. But... You know, with all of us, when you meet somebody and you come across the difference, the first the first stage in that is you're fascinated by it. It's like, oh, that's fascinating that uh, she acts that way. And then very quickly, you start getting irritated by that thing. And But we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So, yeah, speaking of differences, Robert, does it bother you that John sounds better and smarter than us already <laughs> on this podcast? No, Lee, it no. doesn't. But okay. since you brought it Me up. Me neither. <laughs> All right. So obviously God has made us different individually with our spouses, and usually those differences attract. Now, whether that's annoying or uh, of a fruitful blessing in our lives, that's what I think is uh, worth unpacking and spending some time talking about, which is why I'm super excited to get Woodall in the room today to pick his brain. So what does that look like from your experience, John? When you think of differences, what do, you, what do we do with that? And how should we um, steward this opportunity in a way that is more fruitful than damaging? Well, I recently read um, a quote um, I can't remember whether it was like George Burns or somebody like that when he says essentially that marriage begins when two decide to become one Hmm. and the trouble starts when you start trying to figure out which one. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And and there's an idea that, that you come into marriage and a lot of times, you know, we don't have this awareness. We're initially attracted. And again, as I said, fascinated by these differences but if we don't know how to handle them, and one of the biggest words that we have used through our marriage is the difference of receiving a difference versus resisting the difference. And where a lot of men and women and couples, they, they run into trouble instead of receiving one another as a gift from God to help us become the men that God wants us to be, we end up resisting uh, the most precious gift that God has given. So how do you how do you manage that tension? If you see a weakness or a struggle or an opportunity for them to grow or become better, who else is going to help them? How do you do that? Are well, we supposed to make her better? Is that what? No, I mean, but I, honestly, but Robbie, you're you're bringing up a very important distinction, and that is, you know, this is the question that we get all the time, like. What, what is the difference or what is the balance between receiving your wife's difference or helping her grow in a weakness? Those are two very different categories. Mm. Um, and so the very fact that you're aware of it and you brought up that distinction, that would be one of the first things that I would try to pay attention to 
is this a weakness that you're trying to accept? Or is this an insight or a difference that's going to help us become a better man? Yep. And they're not all. How do you determine that? Uh, unfortunately, probably by trial and error, honestly. But it's but it's maintaining it's maintaining a mindset that will drive it. That I want to receive this woman uh, with her strengths, her weaknesses, and her gifts. I want to receive what she's saying to me. In order that you can, you know, we we talk about a relational bank, relational deposits and relational withdrawals, that you want to have so many deposits in that relational bank that when you cash in a comment that says, I would really prefer if you would not talk this way in front of the children or whatever the issue is, but, you know, you're managing several things in there, and one is paying attention to the deposits that you're putting into your spouse that you're able to take uh, a withdrawal when you're trying to help them grow, you know, in an area of weakness. And I, I just want to say for the listener right now, I think this is gold and helpful for me as a married man, and it'll be helpful for men who are married. But if you're a single guy, where we're going with this is going to help you get ahead of the curve in a huge way. No kidding. And, and about that is that tension of in a relationship, what is our stance of our, how much responsibility do we carry to try to fix them or make them better or, or that's not our role. And what does that look like? But, with I, the balance? but, but I think that's even the mindset. I, I, I totally understand and agree with your word selection of, I want to fix them. Uh, the very first time my wife and I went into a counselor's office, I was 43 she was 46. My opening remark was, uh, Denise, the agenda is real simple here. Can you fix my wife? And can you fix me? And this is the mindset of most men. Yeah. You know, we're, we're problem solvers. We're fixers. And um, so back to Stephen Co- Covey when he says, seek to understand before being understood. It's not even so much like I'm trying to fix this problem. But when we recognize that we've been given to one another to help one another grow, uh, as men, you know, as men in groups together, we they're divine appointments, providential relationships. And you single guys that are looking for this kind of woman, uh, pay attention to the divine appointment. Pay attention to the providential relationship because this woman could be sent to you to help you grow and become the man that he wants you to be. And the same thing, gentlemen, if you're married— um, your wife is a gift from God for you to help you become the man that God wants you to be. That's so good. So what about compromise? I mean, we're talking about differences. You know, I have, in my only 15 years of marriage, I have the wisdom to know that I'm not smart enough to to fix my wife in a in a good way or that that I can do that without being completely selfish, but where does compromise fall into this? How much do we bend or not bend? Or I love that. Uh, I love that word and that question that you bring up. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier uh, about the word compromise or uh, Andy, I, I don't remember the series that he gave, but he talked about it's not so much compromise as much as mutual submission. Mm. And I like that selection of words because I think there's a mindset that once again has to occur before we 
compromise or before we mutually submit to one another. And it is the mindset that I want the best for this person. I still want the best for this person, and I still want to govern my life by the idea of of deferring to and preferring the other person. Paul writes in Philippians to esteem one another more highly than yourself. But it raises the question like, well, how much where, you know, I don't give myself away or I don't lose myself in this relationship or in this marriage, but I think some of it is starting out, how can I love this person? How can I uh, encourage this person? How can I prefer them and esteem them more highly than myself? And and when you have two people with that mindset, you are in a win-win relationship. Man, that is such an ideal to work towards. Um, have you guys, and, and Lee, you just mentioned also like, well, it took 15 years to get here, and, and what all you said, well, trial and error. How does this look early on? What are the patterns? Y'all have worked with tons of men in relationships of receiving differences instead of trying to fix that kind of thing. I love this. That's another very insightful question in in my my mind. But so I have three sons and a daughter. They're all, um, they're now 40 and late 30s. And um, when my sons were getting married 10, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, um, I noticed a pattern that they were coming into their relationships kind of with this meet my needs mentality. We don't hmm. say it openly, but there's the truth of the matter is we're born as selfish people. Yeah. And um, I remember getting a call from one of my sons talking about how his wife wouldn't do this and she wouldn't do that. And I remember listening to him. And I said this to him, I won't give the name because I have three of them, I won't give them away, but I I said, son, in my opinion, you need to die early and die often. And when, in Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul instructs husbands, you know, to love your wives as Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for his bride. He died for us. Mm. And so I would say to young men that are starting out in their relationship, um, you need to die to yourself early and die often. And marriage, whether we like it or not, marriage is one of those tools to knock that selfishness out of us. And um, so I've used that with my son. And here's what I've noticed. When men die early, die to themselves early, and they die often, they prefer early on to their wives, that ends up coming back, creating a respect in that woman and in that wife that now you get in this life-giving cycle. How do you reframe your brains to die to myself, to appreciate her differences, to think about what's best for her in the early stages of marriage when you come into it, and it's more naturally about me and what they can do to serve my needs. How do you build in reps to reframe that perspective other than struggling through the first seven years of marriage to then learn, oh, I appreciate her differences. That's awesome. I'm going to celebrate that because collectively we're better. I'm not trying to change her. Yeah, because it's so frustrating. I mean, when you aren't dying to yourself, but going to her with your needs because she can't she can't meet all our needs there's no way even if she wanted to and so it's 
Yes, so incredibly frustrating. Um, I know this is going to sound like a commercial for groups, and it's not intended to be that at all. But if I had to do this all over again, um, in my first seven years of marriage, the first seven to ten, I absolutely uh, would find a man or two or three or a group of men uh, that I could process this with. Mm-hmm. I did not have that in my early stages. And I was like they describe. I was an island to myself, mm-hmm. and I was isolated from a lot of other men. But when you can get in and process these kinds of things, and you get men that love you enough to get in your face and say, hey, dude, you sound so selfish when you talk like that. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we believe these groups will help us become fully alive men. That's so good. And when I'm in group talking with other guys about their marriage, half of my insight comes from listening to them talk about their struggles, thinking, duh, if you would have, oh, crap, i do the same thing. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, oh, there you go. Guys, I, if you're listening, you're probably like me and soaking in all of this wisdom, but at the same time, feels heavy and what do we do with all i mean we've talked about what we do but we need some practical we need some bullet points for how to handle our differences which we are going to get to in just a second after a segment we call man hacks man hacks are just tips and tricks to be more efficient effective uh Tricky as men. Better. We're all over. Better men. Lee, what you got for us today? All right. The man hack I am bringing today was inspired by John Woodall, who was with us. A long, five years ago, John and I were sitting in a restaurant with about eight other men getting ready for an event coming up. And the server walked in, a young lady who John had already memorized her name, of course, as he will. But she walked in with a handful of menus. And John said, (laughs) John literally said, Hey, why don't you just hold on to those menus? We're men. We'll just order something. (laughs) And she looked a little surprised, but she held the menu menus. And he said, do you have a Greek salad maybe with some chicken or something? And she said, of course we do. And she wrote it down and we all just ordered with no menus. And I thought that is the most confident, bold thing I've ever seen in my life. So I now enter every rest, almost every restaurant with a go-to order if needed. I'm going to try that today, and if that backfires in my it was so lunch awesome. meeting, I'm Don't even back look at, at the menu. Just step up. That's pretty strong. So here's my man hack. You guys know I got six little kids. Laundry is a part-time job. It's out of control. We do a load or two a day, it feels like. There's, there's stuff everywhere. Socks are super annoying, even for me, because in the morning, that's like... It, I'm getting dressed. I'm an early morning guy. Lights are off, and I don't plan well the night before. So I'm I'm putting together my outfit. Socks take like half the time because there never seems to be socks paired up. And so I go into the sock bin, which has about 200 socks from eight different people, and I fish around there every morning and look for matching socks. And it's super annoying because we, we we're never ahead. We're always behind with six kids. So here's the deal: it's an investment. That's worth it. Throw away all your socks. So you find one sock you like, like one brand of sock, one style of sock, because we all have our favorite sock. That's the most comfortable. So just buy like a dozen of those. Pick your one (laughs) sock. That's the best. Buy a dozen. 
They're all matching. You always see a second one. You just grab it. Throw the rest away. I'm so stinking cheap. This is hard to even say. Throw them away. That is the simplest, most genius man hack we may have ever had. All the same sock. Appreciate it. It's fantastic. It also works for your kids. You can do the same thing. Just buy 12. Make a $100 investment. Go to Walmart. Get eight people a dozen socks and call it a day. What all what you got for us? All right, man. Uh, Probably seeing that we're talking about marriage and being married for a lifetime. My man hack is called the 90-day getaway. Debbie and I were married five years, and a guy told me about the first thing I put on my calendar, my annual calendar, are four quarterly getaways. You can look at my calendar right now. Our anniversary is June 21, September 21, uh, December 31, and March 21. I have four 90-day getaways. My wife and I get away for 24 hours. We leave, check into a hotel, rest a little while, share a meal, have a romantic evening, sleep in, check out at noon, and we're done. We've done it uh, now for 37 years. It's That's amazing. Best best thing yet. That's awesome. Hey, will you watch my six kids so that I can get one of those on the calendar? <laughs> yeah, another man hack is we don't watch any family over three children. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed. That was the section we like to call yeah. man hacks. All right, so jumping back into this topic of how do we manage the tension or the opportunity, whichever perspective we have, of the differences in our wives, uh, their gifts. We know that in an ideal state, we mature into appreciating their differences. We mature into thinking less about ourselves and dying to ourselves and saying, how can I serve her? How can I celebrate her differences? How can I think of what she would want? These are all things that we learn over years of trial and error. Trial and error kind of stinks, though. So how do we accelerate the learnings to become better husbands in a practical way earlier on, regardless of where we're at, if we're in year one, if we're single and not dating anybody yet, or if we're at 40 years of marriage? Um, if, if you're going to move in a growing, thriving relationship uh, with a woman, with your wife, um, I think part of it begins with this value of being a student of your spouse. Um, That's a choice that we have to make as men to be a student of our spouse. Now, some of you guys, you know, um, you're running at the speed of life. You're running at the speed of business. You're taking continuing education courses, you know, to become a better lawyer, a better doctor, a better salesman, a better manager. You're taking all kinds of continuing education course because you want to be a better student in your business. Well, my question is, are you that kind of student of your spouse? And, um, I, you know, where a lot of guys get stuck, they, the reason they call it the seventh inning stretch and a lot of couples begin to divide and divorce at the seven-year mark is you have a mindset, well, I know everything about her. And the fact is you're just getting started. And if you look up, you know that there's a universe that's way out there. If you look up into the skies, the same thing, gentlemen, there is a universe within the soul of your wife, in the soul of your girlfriend, and it takes a lifetime of discovery. So part of it is just making a decision. I will be a student of my spouse. What does that look like? Well, I think we we may have talked about this in an earlier episode, but it begins um, 
I, I think there's two aspects to it. It begins with a level of curiosity. One of the burdens that I have for men and couples is uh, they are not as curious as they could be, as they should be. Um, some people are naturally curious. Um, you know, you, you know men that uh, ha- have come out of the womb asking questions. So, like, when was the last time I asked and probed and really added follow-up curious-type questions exactly. to something about? And that's the second part is curiosity will lead to thoughtful questions. Okay. And so uh, being a student, it requires a level of curiosity and the curiosity is manifested by the questions. If, you, if you're one of those guys that goes, man, I don't know what to ask her. Well, are you aware that you can Google uh, the best 100 questions to ask a woman? Hmm. Just Google that, print it out, take it on your next date, uh, circle about five of them, and you will begin to have some super meaningful conversation. Yeah. I, what, what I was thinking is, as, as you were talking, John, is just that it's my tendency to ask questions with an agenda beyond just getting to know her, yeah. and so I have to I have to be careful. That's a huge insight. That's uh, how did you get that awareness? I mean, that's a keen awareness. Usually, when my dear, sweet, beautiful wife says, "Hey, I feel like you are professional counseling me right now," or "Don't make me the project." Yeah, yeah, I that's love that. good. Peter Burke. Uh, does some marriage ministry around our church. And he, we were having breakfast one time and he said, uh, the best tip that he gave me that, that I, I've been thinking about since was whatever your wife is interested in or hobby, help her be excellent at that. If it's gardening, buy her all the seeds and gardening books and ask questions and be inquisitive about gardening. Or if it's um, whatever that hobby topic is, it's a really focused way to be a student and, and care about what she cares about and be curious, yep, that's awesome. uh, which is similar to kids. But I, I do that more intentionally with my kids than I do with my wife. Let me say one other thing here. John Ortberg, I heard him say one time that most men do not speak the language of the heart. Hmm. Uh, men can talk about uh, cars. They can talk about sports. They can talk about politics. They can talk about business, but when you get into the language of the heart, most men are clueless. And Larry Crabb gave me these three questions. Gentlemen, if you have a pen, write down these three questions very simply. What do you think? How do you feel? And what would you like to do? Um, Those three questions are dealing with a woman's thoughts, her feelings, and her desires. And when you stay in the realm of what do you think, how do you feel, what would you like to do, you are now in the real estate, in the territory, in the language of the heart. And when you start communicating heart to heart with a woman, it leads to wonderful body to body things. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to go book my 90 day. John's going to watch my kids and I'm going to ask her those three questions. Well, let's do this, guys. This is obviously gold so far, but I do want, just because I've talked to you about this before, John, and I love this, I do want to get to um, the five stages of differences. Yeah, Yeah, great, uh, great learning that my wife and I did. We were probably at our 20, we were literally at our 25-year mark in our marriage, and uh, we met a man, his name is Ray Linder, an incredible man of God, very insightful, wise man. And my wife and I, we were 
just at a place that we honestly were tolerating one another. We weren't we weren't making the progress. We weren't communicating, you know, mind to mind, heart to heart. And Ray came into our life. This was back in the year two thousand, and um, he simply said something like, "Well, you don't understand the stages of differences yet." And I did have a pen in hand, and I said, "Well, what are they?" And again, if you guys are taking notes, there's five of them. Stage one is fascination. Stage two is irritation. Stage three is toleration. Stage four is appreciation. And stage five is celebration. And, you know, some of you guys are maybe irritated at one another's differences, or you're at a place like you're tolerating and you think this is as good as it gets. That's what I thought. We were at toleration and Little did we know that there were two more stages of appreciating one another's differences and then coming to a place of celebrating. And when, when we were informed in those next two stages, we were like all over it seeking to learn about that. So a single guy, are those five stages linear? So a single guy listened to this thinking, okay, year one through two, I'm fascinated. And then two through five is typical irritation and then toleration from five through 15. And so I get divorced to seven years or divorce after the kids get out of the house because we've been tolerating for 10 years. And then if we make it past 20 years of marriage, uh, I can learn to appreciate her differences and then celebrate them. Is that linear or is there hope for uh, somebody who's two years into marriage no, great, great insight, Robbie. Great question. No, it's not linear. The first thing is to be aware that there are multiple stages in this. And, you know, the key pivot point is do not think that tolerating one another is as good as it gets. Hmm. So, number one, be aware that there are two other stages, whether you're one year in, 10 years in, 40 years in, and you want to know, okay, what is it about appreciating? And I would just say on the appreciating, this starts real simple, guys. This is so simple. Uh, it's difficult, but it's simple. And that is just begin thanking her mm. and expressing appreciation. Don't let the common things. I tell the story that my wife, 43 years later, uh, she takes my underwear and folds it into little footballs and you know, every day I have a clean pair of underwear that's in the shape of a football. I'd show you if this was a video cast, but... I'm at the fascination stage with that, <laughs> yeah, by the way. Yeah, I bet. And, but find the little things and constantly find the little things where you express thanks. Thank you so much for, you know, for dinner. Thanks for taking care of, you know... That's a, that's that's a first huge one. idea. I no. think that's a good example, too, because I, I think with some things with Holland and I... I am at the fascination stage, different things I'm at irritation, and some things I am at celebration. It, it probably speaks more to my maturity than than the maturity of our marriage, but I think I'm at different levels or different parts of these five differences with different differences. That's a huge idea that you guys are talking about in regards to where we at, are at in these different cycles and stages and how thankfulness could be the cheat. I can't stay in irritation and toleration That's of right. her differences if I'm thankful for them. Well, let me just add this. It, it's not even um, uh, the, the aspect of giving thanks. It's also a matter of focus. One of the things that I see happen with men 
over the course of time, they end up looking at the things that irritate them Hmm. or that they don't like. They have shifted their focus from the beautiful things that attracted them to that woman in the first place. And so part of it, it's, it's it's not thanking God for the differences that irritate you, but it's shifting the focus off of those negative things. And my wife, I'm telling you, she still to me is the most amazing woman I know. Now, she does some things that are very irritating to mm-hmm. me, but I'm making a choice not to focus on those irritations, but the things that are making us a better couple. So it's a matter of focus as well. And the goal of marriage is never to be the same. Mm. The goal in marriage is one. You're not trying to get your wife to be like you. And some of you might feel like she's trying to get you to be like her, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. Uh, the goal is being one, even with your differences, with your diversity, that you know how to celebrate being one and not the same. That is a huge idea. I love that. So our our goal in marriage is not to become the same. It's to become one. If we're celebrating each other's differences, we're not trying to fix each other because that's not our role. And, and a quick, easy cheat is if you're trying to fix them, you're not in the right spot. What would you encourage guys as we start wrapping this up? What do we do this week? Um, how do we start? I think, you know, the temptation, and we might have said this earlier in this episode, that the temptation, it, uh, some of you super analyzers are going to say, well, what's the difference of celebrating a difference and trying to help her improve her weakness? Yeah. Gentlemen, I get this. I understand what you're wrestling with here. But a very practical thing over the next seven days is I would write down and remember two, three, five things that you love and appreciate about your wife and, and, and that you can I- express it. Mm. You know, uh, the tongue has the power of life and death. You can give your girlfriend, you can give your wife words of life by expressing thanks and just commenting on her strengths that you need in your life. Gentlemen, we all need the strengths of our wives. And then Maybe say to one of the guys in your group, hey, by the next time we meet, I want you to ask me, did you express them? Did you share them with your wife? And what was her response? Have a conversation around that. God, that is so good. And I don't want to take away from it, but I'm stuck on and I'm going to be thinking about don't settle at tolerate, but move on to celebrate. Y'all, this has been so helpful. This has been a fun conversation. I would want to keep going, but we're trying to That's trying right. to limit these. So let's let's start landing the plane and let's let's ask Woodall a, a few questions. Uh, I got three questions for you, Woodall. You ready for this? Ready. All right. What is what is something you've been reading or listening to lately? Well, seeing that we've been on the topic of marriage, I don't hesitate to tell you guys that um, I I try to read everything I can on marriage. Uh, uh, Debbie and I read a great book called Sheet Music by Kevin Strauss. Sheet music. Sheet music, man. That, um, But, you know, don't think that you're above uh, reading a really good book. Uh, when Debbie and I do our 90-day getaway, uh, we have um, taken books like Intimate Lovers hmm. and where it, I have a difficult time expressing my sexual desires to my wife directly. Mm-hmm. I have no problem reading it in a book and saying to my wife, hey, what do you think about that idea? And, you uh, are not alone, sir. I know, man. That's a man hack. That's a, that man, hack. a man hack. That's part of the 90-day getaway. That's awesome. All right, next question. 
What would you tell your 20-year-old self? I, I, I love that question. I, uh, I find myself uh, wanting to think more deeply about it and say a lot of things, but um, I heard this phrase many, many years ago, and it went along the lines of God is good all the time. And, um, you know, we've had these different phrases called life is good, but what I've been discovering is life is very hard and God is very good. Um, what I would like to tell uh, my 20-year-old self is what Jesus told us many, many years ago. In this world, uh, you're going to face a lot of trouble and sorrow and trials, but I'm with you. I've overcome the world, and in me, you find your peace and your joy in me instead of the things of the world. I would probably say something around that. Man, that is so good. And if if you guys have probably been enjoying through our podcast, Wisdom from the Woods, a couple of minutes with Woodall, obviously it's even better with many minutes from Woodall. So we can't we can't thank you enough. I I agree with Robbie. We could talk about this all day and just glean all of your wisdom, John. If you guys don't know, John has put together a resource called seven, seven questions that rattle around in the minds of most men. It's available on Amazon prime. It's awesome. If you've never done it in the context of your group, I highly recommend it. It is a seven week small group study. If you're in a married group split up for seven weeks, guys do that. Let the girls pick one. If you're in a, in a guy's group and you haven't gone through seven, it's an amazing small group study. Y'all, we're wrapping it up. This was a ton of fun. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. Like it. It'll help us reach more men with these conversations of how we leverage community to win at life because we want to win at life. And of all the guys we've worked with, I have yet to meet a guy 60 or older who has been married and worked and fought through the difficulty of his marriage and looked back and said, ah, I kind of regret sticking with her for 40 years. This has been so much fun for me to process. Uh, in, in lieu of differences, how do we move to a point of appreciation and celebration of our wife's differences in order so that we will be a community of men who are in our 70s and 80s and 90s looking back on legacies of 40 and 50 year marriages because... I don't think any of us uh, don't want that. And those of you who have been through a divorce are going, crap, I, 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 it's not something that I would rewrite or hope on someone else. And it's just what's happening. So we got to fight for this. That's good. I love it, Robbie. I agree. All right. See you guys next time. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Bye.